Well, it's uh, great to be back. Are we on? Great. Okay. Uh, it's good to be back with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, we were here from uh, 2007 to 2021, the very beginning of it, uh, when I retired from this job. And uh, we're still active in doing different things, including being one of your global partners, as uh, Carl said. So it's really good to be back. And uh, thanks for coming. Uh, and if you're on, uh, watching on the live stream, good to see you as well. Well, I can't see you, but you can see us. Anyway, let's have a look into God's Word in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Um, it's a well-known incident in the life of Jesus uh, on his kind of journey with the disciples um, through Israel uh, as it was uh, then, well, still it still is. And I wanted to read from John 4, that's on page 1066. It's a good number, isn't it, of your uh, Bibles in the uh, seats by, beside you. So verse 3, it's Jesus, it's talking about. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. <clears throat> Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And his disciples said to each other, could someone have bought him food? No, my food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's an amazing incident. John was there. Uh, he obviously knew about it, writes it up for us. We're on the road with Jesus and his disciples. They move from the south up to the north. Uh, so Jerusalem is in the south of uh, Israel where they were then. And they have to go. They want to go back to Galilee. There's a reason for that in John 4, which I won't go into. But sufficient to say they're traveling and they've got to go north from uh, Jerusalem area where John was baptizing up towards the north. And usually um, there, there's a way to go and there's this place called Samaria uh, kind of in the way and they go through Samaria. So here they are learning together. That's what disciples do. He called them. Do you remember in the Gospels it says Jesus, there were 12 people that Jesus called to be with him and send them out. To be with him and then send them out. And that's what happened. That was always the plan. Before he went to the cross, he prayed in front of them out loud. Do you remember one of the things he prayed? He, he says to his father, Father, I am, I am sending them into the world as you sent me into the world. Do you remember on Easter, an Easter Sunday evening, he was with the disciples and he said to them, As the father sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world. Always the plan. Uh, when we get to the, one of the last things he says to them at the end of Matthew 28, he says, I'm sending you out to, into the world to make disciples of all the nations. And he says, I'm with you always and I will be until the end of the age, until the end of the age. That means it wasn't just for those 11. It's all of us. Anyone come to the end of the age yet? You might feel you have, but you haven't, believe me. <laughs> until then, that's our commission. We're part of it. And that's what we're kind of thinking about today. And the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises and, and gives to us as his people 
is the one who kind of makes that alive and brings Jesus. I am with you always, says Jesus, in that promise. But back in John 4, they're near the very beginning and they're learning all the time with Jesus. So they leave for the north and they end up, these disciples, spending a couple of days in a town they'd never expected to visit even let alone stay a couple of days in this town called Sychar. And the reason for that was because it was a Samaritan town. And as we heard in the, in the narrative, Jews didn't get on very well with Samaritans. They avoided each other. They kind of hated each other, really. So normally, a Jew would not want to be spending a bit of time in a Samaritan town, not at all. But there they are. They're there a couple of days, and by the time they leave, this whole community is talking about how they have found for themselves and come to believe that Jesus is the Savior, the rescuer of the world. Samaritans. That's where they've got to. People who'd never heard about Jesus before, discovering that he's the Savior of the world. That is what we call mission. That's the big deal. That's the big task. People who've never heard of him, like these Samaritans, coming into a point where they say, we now know for ourselves that he is the savior of the world because that's become real for us too. And that's the job. That's the big task. That's what the disciples are doing. And they are learning about this. And as we live with Jesus, because surely if you're a believer in Jesus, you're someone who knows him, loves him, has trusted your life to him, and you follow him, and you want to walk with him, just like these disciples do. And as we walk with him, we learn with him. And we keep learning all through our lives as we keep walking with Jesus, sharing our lives with him, and him sharing his life and power with us. So Jesus' big plan for people from all over the world to become his disciples has started here in John 4. So the question is, what can we learn about it from here? Now, it's a long passage. I'm not going to go into any of the details, really. I just want to make some bigger points out of it, okay? Try and remember it. We can refer back to it as we go. But these are a couple of big points I want to make. Here's the first one. It's about mission, since it's a Global Mission Sunday. So you shouldn't be surprised. At that. The first point is this. Jesus is the main mover in mission. It's about what he does. You see it here so clearly. He takes the initiative. He moves the disciples with him up to Samaria. Now, sure, we can learn a lot from him about how he goes about it. You've probably heard many uh, talks, if you've been a Christian for, I don't know, a few years or more, on John 4 about how Jesus kind of uh, explains the good news to this woman, and it's a great example. It's a master class in how to, how to have conversations with people, and many of you will have known that from here. That's not what we're going to talk about today, okay? I wanted to talk about this kind of the bigger layer of what's going on. So how is Jesus the main mover? Then and now. Well, first of all, Jesus chooses to go to Samaria. That route that Jewish people wouldn't normally go on unless they were really desperate. Jesus, you see, here's the first thing. As the main mover, he crosses barriers to reach people. That's what he does. And he takes the disciples with him. And the great news about the Christian faith is that Jesus has already crossed a barrier. 
Jesus, the Son of God, has come into our broken, busted, messed up, distressed world to be among us and to show us what God is like and how we can know him. How he died on the cross and was raised again from the dead. How he then gives his spirit to people who follow him to live his life. Jesus crossed a barrier to be with us and to share good news. Just as he does with this woman as he takes his disciples into her space, into her territory to share good news with her. That's what he's doing there. And, you know, if we're sent the same way, if he, as it's true, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Here's something we might learn, that we may need to cross a barrier or two as we follow him into what he's doing. And that's what many of our, our global partners are doing, aren't they? Anna and Richard, uh, we saw their translation, are crossing a literacy barrier. People there don't know the good news in their own language. So they're crossing that barrier by living there, translating, working hard at it. And you're part of it as you pray for them and support them and, and look after them, even from here. So Jesus is the main mover as he just chooses to cross a barrier and go and share. Another way he's the main mover, he goes to meet this woman and to offer her life. And he comes to us into our world to offer us his life. Think about that conversation we heard. Here's Jesus, vulnerable and thirsty, tired out in her world. But then he says he's got something to give her. Not water from a well, but living water, eternal life. Something she really, really needs. Why does she really, really need it? Well, lots of reasons, but one reason might be she could be in a bit of a mess. As this conversation about her various husbands might reveal. Now that could be, she could be a, a victim. It's easy to judge her and think, well, she must have been a really bad woman. But maybe she had had a really bad time and had lost her husband or had been abused or something. And so in, in that culture is dependent. We just don't know. But we do know that it wasn't an easy place that she was in. Jesus offers her life. Offers her the gift of his life, the living water he can give, despite or even because of the mess that she's in. What great news. Jesus offers life to people. Doesn't matter if they're in a mess. He offers that life anyway. Mission brings life to messed up people. And Jesus does that here and we go with the offer, not of our life, but of his life, his gift of life to others. But we have to go to them just as he did. We're sent just as the Father sent Jesus. And as we pray for those in our community who are doing that, who are in places of great messed upness, if you might say, places like northern Iraq, that are busted and broken, or places where there, there is other great need. And you're with them as you pray and support and share. And we can be part of it as we're with them, but of course we can do it here too. Nothing to stop us from doing that. Jesus is the prime mover, thirdly, because he... Um, 
helps people to know what we're really made for. Where have I got that from? Well, there's a conversation about worship. Do you remember that? You know, the woman gets a bit, maybe she gets a bit antsy or tries to change the subject. You're a prophet. Now let's talk about prophet things, shall we? Let's talk about religion for a while. And uh, she says, look, we worship in here and you Jews who worship in Jerusalem. Where, where, what's the best place to worship? And it's interesting that Jesus then explains to her. And what he explains to her is that there's a God who he calls the Father. A God who wants people to know him and worship him and love him. Indeed, that's why he made people for that very purpose. If you're not a believer here today or you're just looking in, this is why you've been made. This is what the Father wants for you, to know him, to worship him, to love him. And that's the message Jesus kind of sends us out with. Jesus comes here as the main mover uh, in mission to, to help people, to help us to know what we're really made for. To know and love that God. It's tremendously good news. So we can become people who who worship him truly, who put him at the very center of our lives. Now, of course, Jesus says we need to come in truth. You worship in truth, in integrity and in the spirit. It's not some human thing. And if you're coming truthfully before a holy God, then it means that the messed up stuff may need to be put to one side. You need to let him change it. You need to leave that behind and go his way. That's what the Bible means by repentance. We can do that. But Jesus comes as the main mover to help us to know what we're made for, to bring us, uh, bring us to God. Says in one Peter, he that he he died the just for the unjust, to bring us to God, to bring us home. That's great news. That's how he's the prime mover. So those of your global partners, uh, and we're a little bit there supporting people who do that, who work with Muslims. Many Muslims are desperate to know how to worship God acceptably. How to really be in a place where they know that, that, that they're they loved by God. The very idea that God could be a father. So as you pray for people in those contexts and send them and support them. So you're involved in this process that Jesus is doing as, as he's using them to show people that you can come home to a father who is seeking worshippers. That's how he's the main mover. He's also the main mover, as you see right from when that, that lady is a lovely verse. I love the verse, actually. In, well, I love it all, of course, but if I had to choose, where are we? I should have written it down, sorry. Yes, where she, where she says... Um, to him in verse 25 i know the woman said i know that messiah called christ is coming when he comes he will explain everything to us there in verse 20 but then she goes and says to the rest of the samaritans who have got a very vague idea about the jewish messiah they don't really get it they know they've heard that god is sending someone but they've got this vague wish that we just need someone to come from outside and help us and explain it to us. And Jesus says, oh, I, I'm that, that's me, says Jesus. It's amazing. As the main mover, he is the one people are looking for. They may not know it. You may not know it if you're not a believer. 
yet. He is the one who brings cohesion and coherence into our lives. He might not explain everything about the whole universe, but some of the big questions you may be sitting with, he is the one who will lead you into that truth. That's his, his offer. That's the gift that he brings to those who trust him. So here he is as the main mover, the one they're looking for, the one who helps us to know what we're made for, the one who comes to meet us and offer his life, the one who chooses to cross barriers. That's Jesus. He's the main mover in mission. And if we're going to go like he went, then there are some things for us to do as well as he enables us. So as we get involved, as we share the good news, we're sent by him. We go with him. This is who he is. This is what he does for people. This is what he's done for you. The kind of details may be a bit different, but the fundamentals overlap, don't they? Jesus is the main mover. He always has been. And he always will be. Mission is not something that Portswood Church does. It's what Jesus does. And you know what? We get to be part of it. And that's the second big truth I want us to get hold of. Not only is Jesus the main mover, but the amazing thing is we get the privilege of being involved with him in what he's doing. So let's have a look at it. That's from verse 27 onwards. Verse 27 onwards. When the disciples come back, they come back and they find themselves involved. They're surprised to see Jesus. He's no longer tired. He's um, talking with the woman. Presumably, you know, he keeps on talking. You get, um, the picture I have, I don't know whether you've got that as we were reading it. You imagine them coming back, you know, with a, their carrier bags and their sandwiches from the local uh, petrol station or equivalent. You know, they, they've got their, got their lunch and they come back and there's like, I don't know whether all 12 of them went or what we don't know. But anyway, they've got a great, great lunch. And, and, and I suppose they thought when they see Jesus talking to this woman, they must have thought, well, when he saw them, he'd stop talking and dismiss her and go and get lunch, you know, because that's what we really need. But he doesn't do it, does he? He keeps on talking with her. And they, there's this thing that, that John, who was one of them, must have been thinking this. He was there, after all. What's he talking to this woman for? They didn't, you know, they were uncomfortable, but they must have thought, oh, Jesus, why are you talking to the Samaritan woman? What, you know, do you know what will happen if the Pharisees hear about it, you know? Uh, and it's awkward for them. And they also can't figure out how come he's not hungry anymore. Why didn't he just, you know, tell her to go away and, you know, um, come and eat our sandwiches to go with the drink that presumably she gave him? We don't know for sure. They have these awkward questions. Sometimes, you know, going with Jesus into mission does take you into some quite uncomfortable places. But that's okay. He's there with us. So let's look at the conversation that he has with them. What can we learn about how we get involved as followers? A few brief things. First of all, there is um, satisfaction in doing what God wants us to do and getting involved in what he's already doing. See what Jesus says to them? He said, look, I've got food that you don't know anything about. I just love to do what my father wants me to do and get involved in his work. He's satisfied. He's refreshed. 
It's especially true for Jesus in a special way, as the Son working with the Father. That is true. But it's also true for us as well. Have you ever known that sense of joy when you know you've done something that God wanted you to do? Have you ever had that kind of sense of, well, what just happened when you suddenly found that you got involved and God was already working there and he was working in people's lives? Anyone know that experience? Some nodding and smiles? What satisfaction there is in that. Hold that. Because that's one of the great things about being involved with mission. We get to be involved with what God is doing. His work. Maybe we could live this way. Maybe tomorrow you could be praying, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you doing? Lead me into what you're doing today. Is there a barrier I need to cross? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But show me how I can be part of what you're doing. And, and Jesus goes on to say that this is like harvest. And you know, harvest was the best time in a rural society. It was then, it still is now. Because see, once harvest was in, you knew you got food for the winter. You could stop worrying about whether it was going to flood if you live in a flooded area like Bangladesh or, or, or if there was some other disaster going to befall your crops. Once harvest was there, whoa, fantastic. Even in Britain, we had harvest festivals. And I think, you know, people used to get, get a bit cheerful and, uh, you know, enjoy a few drinks and, you know, have a party. Why? Because harvest is this tremendously wonderful miracle and jesus says to be involved in mission is is like that you sort of think oh no this is gonna be so hard so difficult yeah and it can be difficult but there's such a lot of joy to be had in the process as well and he says to the disciples you can be part of it and so can we as we pray for people as we send people as we go ourselves as we give it's being part of harvest And Jesus goes on to say there's so much joy because different people involved are glad together. Verse 36, the people who reap, the people who sow are glad together. Harvest is a joyful thing that a whole community got involved in. And Jesus is saying that that, that as we get involved in what he's doing in mission, it's something that as a, a whole community we can rejoice in together. To see that as a cause for opportunity for celebration and harvest means as well that there's fruit for eternity verse 36 he says about people getting wages even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together so we're part of it as we get involved I remember, I'm sure some of you do, because you were there in the room when we used to pray uh, for our global partners. And there was one global partner we prayed for um, on on, on the island that she lived on. No believers at all. None. Zero. Hadn't been for years. Now, there's a few. There's a little community forming. We prayed for that. Iris was there. Joy was there. Ian's nodding. Lots of us. Remember praying for that community? No believers. 25,000, 30,000 people on the island. No believers whatsoever. No sign of any kind of church. Now there is. It's eternal. We'll meet these people in heaven. And, we, and they'll say, oh, I, I, they might say, I knew that lady that you prayed for. 
said, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, he said, I'm here because you prayed. I used to work for an agency uh, sharing about mission before I came to Portswood. And, um, yeah, I used to get encourage people to, to pray for unreached people groups. There was a group of people uh, where at that time in the 1980s, again, there were hardly any believers at all. That people group was the Kurds. Now there's a city in, uh, uh, which is a Kurdish city, which we know about. I think there were at least three congregations of Kurdish people in that one city. That's a fruit for eternal life. Some of you might have prayed for Afghanistan. No believers in Afghanistan. Hard, 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 hard for decades. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, Mary and I, we were in a space. It was the Afghan Bible College. It's not in Afghanistan. It's in another country. They weren't there. Afghan Bible College. Whoa. See? Fruit for eternity. And we get the chance to be part of it. And you know, the last thing that there is as we get involved, there is with this wonderful joy. Verse 39. You know, when those, this, those believers say to the Samaritans, say, now it's not just because of what you said. We've seen for ourselves that Jesus is the savior of the world. You know, there's something really wonderful when somebody tells you, actually, that, that it's not because of what you've said, but that they've actually met Jesus for themselves. You know, you know what you don't think, oh, I wish he'd said it was because of me. You think, whoa, they came to know Jesus for themselves. They saw him, they met him, they know him. He's transformed their lives. And that's what happens here with this lady uh, uh, who uh, her friends come along and say, it's not because of what you said, but we've seen him for ourselves. So we can be involved in it. That's my two points done. World mission is about Jesus being the main mover and it's about how we can be involved with him in what he's doing. So please, 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 Portswood Church, do not miss the joy of harvest. Don't put it off. Jesus said there, you've got a saying, leave it for four months. Oh, you know, not time for harvest yet. No, Jesus says, look, open your eyes. It's now. It's now. As the Samaritans are coming over the fields to, to talk to the disciples and him. Go with Jesus into what he's doing, wherever you are. It could be now. I, I wondered, I just put it out there. Please don't. I have no authority for saying that. As I was preparing this, I thought, is this a word for Portswood Church? Don't say harvest in four months' time. Say now. And ask God where it is now and get on with it. Now. Discern it, weigh it, judge it. If it's from the Lord, do it. If it isn't, fine. But I just leave it there with you. Jesus is the main mover in mission. And we get involved with him in what he's doing. Let's just do it, shall we? Okay, what's next? <laughs> okay, let's, uh, shall I pray as the band come up? Father, thank you that there is so much joy that we can share in together as we get involved in your great purpose that people who don't know you yet may know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Lord, lead us in those paths that will take us into fruitfulness as sowers, as reapers, or whatever else you want us to do. 
But Lord, may we be part of it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.